You're listening to Bead, History for the Church, a conversation with Dr. Michael A.G. Haken. Dr. Haken serves as Chair and Professor of Church History at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, where he is also the Founder and Executive Director of the Andrew Fuller Center for Baptist Studies, and is on the core faculty at Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people. In his book, Early Christian Doctrines, the 20th century church historian J.N.D. Kelly outlines the development of the church's doctrine of the Christian community in a pre-Nicene world, what we often call ecclesiology. But he notes a shift in the thought of one particular figure, a name we've mentioned here on Bede before, Cyprian of Carthage. Kelly comments, From the mystical, sometimes elusive theorizing of Alexandria, we turn now to Cyprian, whose conception of the church and ministry was to dominate the West until Augustine's time, and at once find ourselves breathing a different atmosphere. For all his profound sense of the church as a spiritual entity, his approach was practical and even legalistic, owing much to the analogies borrowed from the Roman law and conditioned by the problems created by the Novationist schism. This was a rigorous, doctrinally orthodox movement, representing the party which advocated severity towards those who had lapsed in the Decian persecution and now wished to resume church membership. And so Cyprian was obliged to find some other basis for unity than strict orthodoxy of teaching. In all his discussions, his unquestioned premise is the assumption that the Catholic Church not only ought to be, but in fact is, one. And Dr. Haken, before uh, turning and exploring Cyprian's specifics with how he envisioned the church. Uh, if you could just talk to uh, this period of time, this Antinocene period, and how they understood the church to be, what precisely was the church? How did they fence their identity from other uh, other groups who may try to claim to be Christians? Well, you do have um, Irenaeus, for example, kind of uh, in the the uh, a book we call against heresies arguing for the catholicity of the church the church is uh, catholic um in the catholicity is the fact that um over against the various gnostic sects that uh, 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 irenaeus can argue that there is a, a creedal uh, confession um a confessional christianity that uh, core uh, built around the the trinity uh, which is found to be confessed in in every every, every place where the church is found. Um, so there is one church, one true church. Um, it's a Catholic church, and it's an apostolic church because it's grounded in the ap- apostolic doctrine. And the apostolic doctrine is preserved through the line of bishops. And so um, Cyprian really kind of reinforces this in a number of ways. So the the church is a there is one church. Uh, she is a Catholic church. She is an apostolic church, and she's a holy church. She's holy because she's indwelt by the Spirit, whereas other professing groups, uh, which might claim to be Christian, like the various Gnostics, and then in Cyprian's day, the various uh, groups um, who um, break with Cyprian over the reception of those, how, how to receive back into the church those who have denied Christ during persecution, and have now repented, um, again, his argument will be, no, no, there's one holy Catholic apostolic church, and uh, 
you have to be in communion with that church through the bishops um, to be part of that that worldwide or Mediterranean-wide uh, body of churches. Um, so Cyprian then has a very similar ecclesiology in some respects to, to Irenaeus. Um, and the, the, the marks of the church is its oneness, its Catholicity, its apostolicity, and its holiness. Uh, could you name some of the uh, specific dividing lines that uh, that existed within the church prior to creedalism? Well, creedalism, yeah, that's a difficult. I'm, I'm not sure I'd want to put the question that way. Creedalism, I think you, you have a creedal imp- imperative or a creedal impulse uh, in the New Testament. And um, the, the necessity of defining what the church is in the sense of what is Christianity um, and who is it that holds to genuine Christianity um, is thrust upon the church by the emergence uh, within the apostolic period of the, the various Gnostic groups and uh, who claim to be Christian. Um, but the, 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 the mainstream uh, church um, will reject those claims because they are not in tune with the apostolic teaching about things like the incarnation, the resurrection of the body, etc. So you've got a you've got a you've got a, a movement towards creedalism right from the get-go. Uh, before the apostolic documents or the ink on them is dry, the, the the necessity of finding a way to combat Gnosticism uh, required the use of the creed. Um, it's also in this context you you find in the second century the emergence, I think, of the bishop. Um, one of the elders becoming the bishop, uh, the episcopos, um, in the church, safeguarding the transmission, safeguarding the heritage of orthodoxy, and uh, guaranteeing its transmission. Um, because a number of elders, and we have examples of Marcion and Valentinus, who both of whom were up for being elders in the Church of Rome. Um, we have a number of elders. Uh, heresy comes uh, through the through the ranks of the elders. And so the necessity of safeguarding the orthodoxy of the church by having one main teacher who would become the episcopos, the bishop. And uh, so those those sorts of lineaments are already there. The the bishop and the creed being ways of 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 controlling of preventing false teaching uh infiltrating a church or also differentiating the 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 church from various sects um or uh, heretical groups now you mentioned one way that this is done is having a union to the catholic church through the bishops can you explain that a little further yes. were there specific bishops that held this position of honor yeah well yes and no i mean the 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 for cyprian the 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 church is centered around this communion of bishops who are committed to the same creedal christianity um over against the gnostics it would be obviously a commitment to the the um the goodness of the material realm the resurrection of the body the incarnation etc um 
and then in his day, um, it will be those bishops who take uh, the median or via media approach that Cyprian does, uh, neither allowing the lapsi, those who've denied Christ during persecution, to come back into the church on the basis of cheap grace, which which we might say using using a a, a phrase from Bonhoeffer. Um, nor adopting a rigorous approach, which is that those who are lapsy can never actually ever be restored to the church and reconciled to the church. Um, and it's those bishops then who maintain that position uh, for whom Cyprian sees as guaranteeing the, the transmission of the faith um, and being, being at the heart of the Catholic church. The word Catholic here obviously has to be understood as universal uh, and not in the later medieval sense uh, of Roman Catholic. Um, Cyprian, does, Cyprian is not convinced, in my opinion, uh, that the Bishop of Rome is the centerpiece of that communion. Um, otherwise, it's very difficult to explain why at the end of his life, he finds himself in strong disagreement with Stephen of Rome and uh, basically castigates Stephen as uh, almost the Antichrist because of that disagreement the disagreement there being uh, how should a person who has been baptized in a a, 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 a schismatic group like the Novatianists, um how should they be received back in the church um for stephen it was sufficient to lay hands on the person because the the Novatianists baptized believers um in the name of the father son and holy spirit but for cyprian the spirit is not in these schismatic groups, and therefore the baptism is not a valid baptism, and therefore they need to be baptized. Um, they're not being rebaptized because they've never actually been baptized. And the, 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 the difference is significant enough that both Stephen and uh, Cyprian will be convinced that their interlocutor, the other, the other party, is actually... Uh, uh, the Antichrist, and uh, they'll both describe each other that way, uh, and then within a year or two, they're both martyred, and we trust uh, in the presence of Christ together, where they would learn that <laughs> that they had made a significant error in judgment about the others' uh, the genuineness of faith. What was the significance of baptism for them? Why, how did they understand what baptism was? That would lead them to have such a sharp disagreement and break fellowship with each other in, in that way. Well, baptism is the door of the church. Baptism is the is the seal of the conversion experience. Um, I don't I don't think I, even though the the, the language uh, is sometimes a sacramental in the, in a later un, understanding of that word, um, which you know. Uh, Cyprian in the letter to Donatus talks about the saving, the saving water or the saving lather of, of the water. Um, uh, and I, I think it's a mistake to interpret his wording through the lens of high medieval uh, Western um, baptismal theology. Uh, I think what's going on there is your, your classic understanding of baptism in the, in the ancient church, that baptism is uh, part of the, of the passage of conversion. That in the conversion there is the gift of the spirit, the step of faith, and then baptism, um, and that the three of them make up what we call conversion. 
The three of them make up the salvation experience. Cyprian does say in one of his letters that if you come if you come to the water without faith, it will do nothing for you. But on the other hand, he can talk about baptism as a saving event because I think he sees encapsulate. I think what he's doing there, he encapsulates in that phrase the entire package of baptism. That is, it, it must entail faith and it must entail the gift of the Spirit. Um, hence, then, for 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 Cyprian. A schismatic group has broken with the Spirit. The Spirit indwells the church. She is a holy church. Her holiness is derived from the presence of the Spirit. And a schismatic group has broken with that. And therefore, for for Cyprian, it's logical that they do not have the Spirit. And therefore, their their administration of the ordinances um, is hollow and empty. And uh, the baptism given in in the Novationist schismatic group, from Cyprian's point of view, um, is a meaningless ritual. So may, maybe asking a question that, that that's kind of begged here, uh, do did, did Cyprian conceive of the possibility of someone being able to lose their salvation if they're breaking with the spirit and breaking uh, from the fellowship through that through through that? Yes, I think Cyprian very clearly does believe you can lose your salvation. I think you see that in the letters of Donatus at the end. Uh, and in, in chapter 4 and 5 of the letters of Donatus, and then uh, uh, 15 and 16, where he urges the reader uh, to, be, to safeguard the, 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 what the Spirit has given you, uh, that you must, therefore, you must be on your guard against temptation and against sin. And I think that's argued against a background that the believer could walk away, uh, the professing believer could walk away, uh, from their what they have declared in baptism, uh, that, that is their faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Cyprian does believe, believe you could lose your salvation. So we looked at uh, uh, a couple weeks ago at the the lapsi, the labelli, the labellitiki, um, and I really want us to put that now under the microscope because this is really what Cyprian is is perhaps most famous for. Um, I, I don't think that's an overstatement uh, and because it really helps flesh out his understanding of the church, the identity of the church. Uh, could you give us more, uh, for, first recap for us, what, uh, what these individuals uh, were, the specific categories, and then what specifically was Cyprian's uh, uh, remedy given to them? Right. So the uh, the context is the persecution unleashed on the on the, the church uh, throughout the empire by the emperor Decius. Um, I, I'm pretty convinced that uh, prior to Decius there was no empire wide persecution, and that uh, the the persecution of Septimius Severus in North Africa is a local persecution which takes place around 200. It's the one in which Perpetua dies. Um, there is some argument that that was an empire wide persecution, but I. I don't think that the evidence supports it. Uh, the Decian persecution is definitely empire-wide. And in North Africa, you have um, different responses to the demand to sacrifice to the Roman gods. You have some who give in to those demands uh, who are Christians. Uh, they become known as the lapsi. They have lapsed. They have denied the faith. Um, and then there are those who were able to, because because the way in which the Roman state ensured that people 
would be known for having sacrificed to the gods, they you would have given a certificate, uh, a labellus. There's one. Here's a description of that. It's it's a it's a term that has a broader meaning, but in this case, it it means the the certificate of authenticity. Yeah, maybe if you want to talk about it that way, the certificate with the guarantees that you've you've sacrificed to the gods, and the labellatiki do not sacrifice to the gods. They're not lapsi in that sense, but they know people who are preparing these documents. They might be relatives, they might be friends, and they're able to purchase those documents. And uh, thus, if stopped by Roman soldiery, uh, they could indicate, well, yeah, we've got a certificate. Here it is. Um, they have not actually committed the sin of apostasy in one sense, but from Cyprian's point of view, they, they might well as have. Uh, they are used. They are deceiving the Romans into thinking that they have committed the sin. They are using the labellus as a way of avoiding the confrontation of Christ, Christ and, and Caesar. So you have those two groups, um, and in the middle of all this, in the persecution as it is unleashed in Carthage, um, one of the martyrs, uh, Paul, um, very aware that there are lapsi. Uh, tells his friends in prison that he he is he knows he's going to die as a martyr, but that uh, after the peace peace has been restored to the church, uh, that the the blood that he is shedding be the basis for the reception back into the church of repentant lapsi. And so you've got after the persecution has ended, and it ends very quickly because Decius is killed fighting on the Rhine frontier. Um, after the persecution ends, um, you have Christians turning up who are lapsy. They are repentant. Uh, they are sorrowful that they've denied Christ. And they, they ask for readmission to the church on the basis of the death of Paul. Um, but the, the reality is, I mean, who on earth is Paul? I mean, thank God he was faithful to the end, but I mean, he, his, the shedding of his blood is of no value for the lapsi, as Cyprian will argue. Then at the other end of the spectrum, you have uh, the party that we call the Novatianists, taking their rise from Novatian, the first uh, Christian theologian in Rome who writes in Latin. I must admit that I have a, a soft spot for Novatian. Uh, the first time, the first uh, patristic author that I really grappled with was Novatian. And it was by uh, the fall of 1975, and it was my second year of my MDiv. And my teacher, uh, my systematic theology teacher, was a man named Jakob Joch. And Jakob Joch was a Lithuanian Jew who had escaped from Lithuania not, uh, not long before the Hitler and the Nazis had moved into, the, into that area of the Baltic states. And um, he had gone to Britain where he, he, in time, he'd become an Anglican minister and um, uh, got his PhD in systematic theology. Um, and uh, I remember him assigning various various figures, and he, he knew that I'd done a BA in philosophy, and he said, um, uh, Mr. Haken, you'll, 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 do, uh, you'll do an essay in Novatium, an honest trinity. It was fabulous. It was really just a... It was it was my first immersion, as it were, into the patristic world, and it was one that has never left me in many ways. And uh, so I, I, I like Novatian, and I I just finished him in, in my teacher course online on Latin, and we just went through uh, De Trinitate, uh, chapter twenty nine, 
uh, of Novatians on the Trinity. And, um, but Novatian was a rigorist. And his approach to the whole issue of the Lapsi and the Labelatiki was the, these men have denied Christ. We went through the fire. We stood fast. Some of our brethren have died uh, in persecution, in the persecution. And um, there is absolutely no way that there is any guarantee that these people will be forgiven. Uh, he, he would use passages from Hebrews uh, that after uh, there, is no, there is no repentance for such people. Now, there is the possibility, distinct possibility, that Christ may forgive them, but they, they, cannot, they cannot presume on that. And therefore, these people must adopt a posture of sorrow and remorse and repentance all through their lives, which means they will never be fully readmitted to the church. They certainly can't uh, take church office again, and they, they can't even take the Lord's Supper again. They, they must stand at the back of, of worship services, now, clearly, clearly sorrowful, weeping if needs be. And um, Cyprian disagrees, obviously, with both of these wings that emerge at the time of the persecu- after the persecution. He disagrees with the Lapsi, who think that they can simply waltz back into the church, having committed apostasy, and be received back. Uh, I mean, for, 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 for Cyprian, this is just a, what we, we, would, we would call today cheap grace. Um, there is a cost, and the Christian life is a costly life in that sense and um but on the other hand he cannot agree with the rigorists uh, the novatianists and the schism that takes place in rome also takes place in carthage one can easily envisage that the 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 teaching of novatian in rome had uh, echoes adherence in carthage there being a significant uh concourse of travel and commerce between the two cities rome and carthage and um, uh, Cyprian cannot agree with the rigorists either, uh, because God does forgive sin. The question is, how long must the Lapsi and Labelatiki, uh, ha- how long must they, they demonstrate repentance uh, before they are received fully back into the church? And Cyprian uh, initially has a longer period. He shortens it, and then he shortens it again. Um, whatever the, the issue of, of the, the length of time, the length of time is not as significant as the fact that he, at the one hand, recognizes that when a person does an egregious sin publicly, they, they cannot simply be received back into the church as if nothing happened the next, the next week. On the other hand, um, there is forgiveness. And there is that great line in the, 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 the creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And that's what the Christian life is about. And it's about forgiveness of sins. Um, and even with those who commit egregious sin publicly, denying Christ, there is a place of forgiveness for such. And uh, Cyprian, not surprisingly, Cyprian takes heat from both sides, but particularly from the rigorists. And the rigorists basically break with him and declare that he is he's as bad as, as the Lapsi, as far as they're concerned. Um, and not making things, it doesn't make things better that Cyprian actually during the persecution went into hiding. When people accused him of, of abandoning the, the church, uh, he actually turns it around and said, well, the Holy Spirit told him to go into hiding. And that if he hadn't gone into hiding, the church would have lost her helmsman. 
Um, and so that doesn't help his position to some to some degree against the rigorists. Um, and again, I think I think I think uh, what he's maintaining here is a biblical position. Jesus does say, if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. He does not say, uh, which is what Tertullian had argued, that when you hear of persecution, immediately immediately give yourself up to the authorities. Uh, you don't need you 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 don't need to take any steps to secure your 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 person um and uh, cyprian disagrees with the man that he called the master namely tertullian on this issue yeah i think wasn't an origin who also attempted to to go to to flee not flee for, uh, to persecute but uh, to, to chase after persecution well, and his yeah, mother stopped yeah. him only, only, his yeah. in his case it was his father leonidas <laughs> who was arrested and uh, to, to, Origen was determined to go out and join him in martyrdom, and his mother hid his clothes on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good mom. <laughs> um, so, so what happens to uh, the, the Novatians? I know in the fifth century they're around because we have Cyril of Alexandria shuttering their churches, and I think Socrates Scholasticus, the fifth century church historian, is suspected of oh, being. I, I think he, I think he's about to be honest, yeah. Yeah, so the Novatians, yeah, they persist probably into the early Middle Ages, probably into the sixth, seventh century. Um, I don't think there's, I just don't. I, it's not a history that I've pursued, so I'm not sure when they kind of peter out, but they eventually do peter out. And um, but I mean, again, it's it's a good indication that you know those who argue, you know, well, we need to go back to the early church when the church was all one, and uh, everything was hunky dory. And there were no divisions. Well, uh, that that uh, that's a that's a that's seeing the church through rose spectacles. Um, that 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 church never existed. Um, this the schism between the Novatianists and uh, the, the what comes to be called called the Catholic Church um, is as a genuine division. And the, the 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 both sides hurl all kinds of horrible epithets at each other. Are they ever major players in uh, church matters after the That's third a century? very good question. That one I, I actually can't answer. Um, uh, I, as I say, after beyond the third century, um, I've really not studied the Novatianist movement. Um, and it would be, fa- I don't even know of a history of the Novatianists after the, after the third century. It'd be interesting. Uh, there, there's got to be something. Um, now, with another schismatic group that emerges in the 4th century, the Donatists, over the very same issue, uh, they, their history has been well charted. Um, and they basically persist down to the time of the Muslim invasions. And then with the invasion of uh, the taking of North Africa by Muslims, uh, they disappear. Um, but the impulse, the impetus of the, the rigorous perspective and mindset um, is ever with us. And so what we've seen in the last, I think, a few years with the the whole how to respond to the pandemic, um, I think partakes, there is, I think, a, a wing of Christians responding to that who have a rigorous approach. Um, in other words, if you don't do ABC, then we will view you with great suspicion. And you've compromised the faith. And there, there's, a, there's a rigorism there that uh, is a, a kind of a Donatist mindset. Um, 
or a Novartianus mindset. And that's why I think Cyprian is so helpful. Um, he takes seriously um, the, the way in which we must deal with um, denial of the faith. What is g- genuine denial of the faith? But he's not a rigorist. He's a, he's a practical realist. He knows something of the weakness of human nature. Um, and he also knows the essence of the, of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is forgiveness of sins. And um, he himself will seal the seal his commitment with his own blood because he will die a martyr in 258. How, how is it that you would describe Cyprian's legacy? Um, yeah, I think he's yeah, I think his legacy is very much ecclesiological, and it's it's this it's this 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 practical wisdom of how to navigate the the shoals of of persecution in his day, uh, in our day again the the conflict between church and culture. In his day, it was out it was outright in and it was involved bloodshed. In our day, in North America. Uh, we, we're not yet, thank God, at that point, but invariably it may come. Uh, and I think Cyprian is very, very helpful. Um, he's a realist. He's a practical churchman. Um, he, he loves the church. He loves the gospel. Um, he knows that there is a time to die as a martyr. Um, but he also knows that there are, there are times of those who've, who've shirked that, who've r- fled that, who've run from that, who've tried to avoid that by dying Christ, uh, these, these are, some of these people are brethren. They're true brethren. And they, if they're repentant, they need to be received back into the fold. Um, and so he's, I, I think he's, what, what, he, what he shows us in this area, what he shows us um, is the way in which we, we deal with egregious public sin. And um, we, we may not have to deal with the issue of, of lapsy and rigorists, but we do have to deal with people who leaders in the church who commit adultery or who lie, um, etc., and uh, or steal misappropriate funds or any number of things like that. And how do we deal with those people? Uh, do we throw them out of the church forever? Um, we can't ignore what they've done and act as if, okay, uh, you're sorry. Uh, well, you know, we're going to bring you back and you can be ministering in two weeks. Um, that happened in, in, in uh, South Florida and uh, uh, kind of a, a, a case that was of a pastor in a church down there um, who committed adultery and was taken on in another church within a matter of weeks. Um, but on the other hand, um, the rigorous position is not a Christian position. It's not a helpful position. And um, because um, the Lord Jesus forgives sinners. And I think Cyprian then it, it speaks to us of the holiness and the love of God at the same time. And the way in which they have to be, they both have to be there in the life of the church. Um, the Devatianists are... For them, the church is a holy body, but is it a loving body? Uh, for the lapsy, yeah, love is love is the be-all and the end-all. And they've forgotten about the holiness of the church. And Cyprian, Cyprian is, I, I, I think, enormously helpful.
Um, now, obviously, we could talk about Cyprian and the whole his ecclesiology guarding the bishops, the communion of bishops being the guarantor of the the genuineness of the faith, etc. And that that's an important part of the of of his legacy, which uh, Augustine builds on. Um, and that raises, I think, Cyprian does raise for us um, the 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 question of you know, are is the is the episcopate necessary to the church? And um, my, I'm a Baptist, so I obviously don't believe in episcopacy in a formal sense. But the more I've studied church history, the reality is, even though we're congregationalists we've we've got bishops you know a a man like john macarthur would reject the title but there's no doubt that he has enormous weight you know you you don't get six thousand or whatever number he gets to his shepherds conference every year without the fact that there are men who go out there faithfully every year to 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 be involved in that in 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 that the life of that that conference um rc sproul had such a influence john piper uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones was a very strong congregationalist, but, uh, but, and he would reject the idea of, of episcopacy. But he was a bishop, I think. I think he functioned as a bishop. Um, in terms of the wise leadership, and I think the reality is this, is that the, the episcopate as a formal institution may or may not be necessary. Uh, I don't believe it is. But we, we certainly need we certainly need these men who have the gift of episcopate, a gift of oversight and wisdom for the church. And um, so in that sense, uh, that's also part of the legacy, I think, of Cyprian, the recognition that the the, the transmission of the faith, uh, part of that is tied up with these with, with leaders, leaders whose influence is outside of their simple local church but have a broader reach. And um, we thank God for such men in our own day, whether they're formally called bishops or not. And that's part of his legacy, I think. Beat is co-hosted by Caleb Anthony Neal and is produced in partnership with the Andrew Fuller Center for Baptist Studies, an historical research center at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary that seeks to promote the study of Baptist history and theological reflections on its contemporary significance. For more by Dr. Haken, follow him on his substack at Historia Ecclesiastica. Links are in the description. We'll see you next time on Bede.